Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dark down for a while Hi, I'm Jackie Cation. You are about to listen to the dark forest Let's give you the info about it First of all, you know the websites dorkforest.com, thedorkforest.com. If you like a determiner, jackiecation.com has everything. All my podcasts, including uh, videos of my stand-up, my stand-up schedule, merchandise you can purchase if you would like, and a lot more info than you possibly even need. Let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg sang and produced and composed that song at the beginning of the show. He sang with his wife, Sarah. It's very beautiful. At the end of the program, he sings his version of the Mexican hat dance. That's Mike Rickberg. Vilmos fixes JackieCation.com. He is uh, the web designer over there. And Patrick Brady fixes the audio. And in this case, there's a video intro. Very exciting. Anyway, those are the websites. If you want to support the show, you're doing it already by listening to it or watching it. And Another way is to tell your friends and family, go on iTunes, do a review. Another way is to just give me money. Yeah. You could go use the donate button. You can make it even monthly if you're okay with making things monthly. You do a PayPal monthly. There's a monthly choice on PayPal. The PayPal is a button on the Jackie Cation or the Dork Forest website, and it goes directly to me. Thank you very much. I will use it wisely or foolishly. Your call as well. Now. My email address, Jackie at JackieCation.com, is where you can contact me if you have any questions or concerns and about the Dork Forest. And I do have a Venmo account. It's Jackie-Cation, oddly enough. Another way to support the show is on DorkForest.com and JackieCation.com. There's an Amazon link. And the Amazon link just takes you to Amazon. You order like normal, and it supports the show because you came from JackieCation or DorkForest.com. Very exciting. Other than that, oh, there are, there is a band camp. You can, if you have listened to all the episodes that are free and you need more content, there are several live episodes that are at thedorkforest.bandcamp.com. And those cost me a couple of bucks, so I charge a couple of bucks. There's also a storytelling album there that you can listen to some stories that I did live. And there are 17 free episodes before the Dork Forest was pre-recorded. So the audio isn't very good, but the guests were super funny and fun and dorky. So if you want to do that, go to thedorkforest.bandcamp.com. Other than that, let's see if there are other things that I should be talking about. Possibly uh, the merch. Yeah, if you want to buy merch. The only other thing I want to talk about is the merch. You can get Dork Forest t-shirts. Uh, and you can get stand-up comedy t-shirts. You can get my albums or my DVD over at JackieCation.com slash merch. There's pins. There's a challenge coin. There's a bunch of new things happening over there. Anyway, a lot of information. I think, I don't think I've missed anything, but who cares? Let's get into the show.
Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I am uh, next to my garage, and I am. Uh, we're doing the show. We're doing a dork forest. It's we're still zooming, you guys. And today's guest is Mr. Alex Schmidt. We met via the interweb on the Twitter when you were tagged uh, for Jeopardy, and that's I thought yeah. it was a, I thought it was a Jeopardy tag, but Alex Schmidt. Uh, just so people know, it's Alex Schmidt on Twitter and Alex <laughs> Schmidtstagram on Instagram. Oh. You've been rolling with that so well. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. it will be in the notes. It will be in the notes, my friends. And uh, just so you know. And so I um, I have this to say. Uh, let me just write something down. Hi, and welcome to the show. That's what I wish to say. Thank you. There we it's, go. It's so, it's so very good to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm really nice to meet you, Jackie. All right. And you've got, uh, you have a lot of projects and you do stand-up. And um, I don't even know where you live. Do you live in New York? I, I, I've been basically between LA and then uh, Durham, North Carolina, and I've been riding out the pandemic in Durham, North Carolina, which is an amazing city, even, even when it's locked down. Yeah, yeah. And uh, nice walks, I bet. Real nice walks. Socially yeah, distant I, I'm walks. doing like three, four miles a day, I think, at this point. I love it. Oh, that's, that's great. That is awesome. That's great. But yeah. oh, so you live in Los Angeles. I am here in Van Nuys. Hold your applause. Uh, you'll be happy to know. <laughs> That I live in a helicopter training area is what I seem to be <laughs> experiencing. Yeah, interesting air out there. That's what I hear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Van Nuys <laughs> just, is... Just blades uh, all the time, you know? Yeah. You just thwap, 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 thwap. I live sort of off the <laughs> Pacoima wash. And... Um, yeah. Well, and also, Ed, not to, like, in rapidly becoming a fan of the show, I've, I've learned you're from uh, Wisconsin, and, and I'm from Illinois. Uh, you know, good Great Lakes people. It's very exciting. Oh, to that is exciting. Where are you from in Illinois? I'm from, uh, it's Glen Allen, Illinois. It's in DuPage County, which is the one next to Cook County there uh, by Chicago. Oh, okay. So is that officially yeah. Chicago land? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was always like Chicago land Chevy dealer and everything yeah, on the yeah. ads. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's totally it. That, that's totally a thing. See, I, I, I'm uh, Milwaukee land. I'm essentially, I'm in between, right. uh, I grew up in between uh, Milwaukee and Chicago, in between Milwaukee and Racine, in between Milwaukee and Cudahy. Whatever. Like it went Cudahy, oh, South Milwaukee, Oak okay. Creek, and then sort of Racine and stuff like that. But it's right on the lake. It's very pretty. Uh, full of. Yeah, that um, sounds great. Yeah, it's very, very pretty. So. <laughs> We, we've digressed. We could dork out because I loved your tiny list of, I was like, I'm going to need, uh, what would you like to dork out about? And I knew Jeopardy would, um, would, cause you, you were a four-time champion, right? I was, yeah. Yeah. I think if, if people don't know me, uh, it might be f like I've, I've done various podcasts, especially one about Kurt Vonnegut and a recent one about making a bison emoji. And then also, yeah, October of 2018, I was I was on Jeopardy and I got to win four whole times and meet Alex Trebek. It, it was all the uh, things I had wanted since I was in middle school, like carrying around the Jeopardy book with his face on the cover and like showing it to <laughs> friends uh, yes. who, thank God, stayed my friend, you know, and, and uh, so it was really nice. Yeah. The <laughs> Them are good sports. Um, yeah, those are real friends. Yeah. The ones that are like, oh, you want to do a weird? All right, go for it, man. And uh, yeah, could, yeah. Be, <laughs> could be worse. You might want to collect butterflies. And you're like, that isn't done anymore. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, I have, uh, weirdly enough, I haven't had a Kurt Vonnegut dork on in a while. You could probably dork out pretty hardcore about Kurt Vonnegut uh, if you had a Kurt yeah, Vonnegut podcast. That's amazing. How many well, episodes? And, 
It was uh, me and my friend Michael Swaim made it uh, about a year or two ago, and we did all of the books he published in life, just one episode for each book. Uh, so I forget how many. It's like 20 something wow. episodes. Uh, okay. And it was it was a blast. Like, oh, my God. It's just yeah. just great. I think uh, I, I'm pretty sure that there's some fans of this program that are like making a note. Uh, yeah, the, <laughs> they're dashing off to that. But I actually want to know um, because you picked Grover Cleveland, and I don't know anything about Grover yes. Cleveland. My father just talking to him on the phone. He said, "Is that the guy who got married in the White House?" And I was like, "I don't know, Dad. Uh, was he the one who got Your married?" Your father in the is White correct. House? Oh, there you go. He's full. Yeah. Of, he is a font of random information. Uh, my father. Oh, he sounds great. Uh, <laughs> he can be. He can be. So Grover Cleveland, <laughs> what number what number president was that? Yeah. So Grover and, and like as a broad thing about him, it, I, I, he's sort of been the most interesting person in my being excited about presidents because I went from not knowing anything about him to thinking like, you know, of the deep cut kind of guys, he's a cool one to know about. What an interesting fella. And then have proceeded to like, oh, he was in many ways like monstrous, like a really bad guy. But but people just think, oh, it's one of the old timey ones. They all kind of run together. Who cares? And then also there were like lots of really bad things he did, you know. Yeah. Uh, but he was the 22nd and the 24th president. Uh, so he, they gave him both those numbers for doing, uh, non-consecutive terms. Right. That's right. He was the, was he the only one who got non-consecutive? Was he the only non-consecutive president? Yeah. Okay. And which- He's the only one so far. A few, a few people have, I think, uh, Teddy Roosevelt ran again after a break. Like a few people have tried, but, uh, Martin Van Buren tried, but, but the only one who's done it is Cleveland. Yeah. Okay. And what year was the 22nd? That would have been late 1800s? So he- yeah, he was elected in 1884, and then he was defeated but won the popular vote in 1888, and then he won in 1892. And so he's also, other than FDR, the only person who has won the popular vote more than twice. Because he oh. actually won the popular vote three times in a row, he just didn't get it in the middle one. Because of the Electoral College, yeah. I bet. Because uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that good old thing. That good old thing. And they that, also, that his opponent been, in 1888. Yeah. Who was oh, it? Who was it? Oh, it was uh, Benjamin Harrison beat him in 1888. And Benjamin Harrison was mostly nominated because he was from Indiana. And they were like, we can probably, you know, snake Indiana and get that one. And, and that worked. That that did it. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. yeah. The 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 parade of dirtbags who have wanted to be in power is quite uh, exceptional. And this was back when the Democrat, yeah. because he was a Democrat, right? He was uh, the Democratic Party was he different was. at the time. I believe it was before the flip. Is that right or no? Like the Republican Party was yeah. more liberal than the Democratic Party back in the late 1800s. It's interesting. Like it's hard to it's hard to exactly map our politics onto it and exactly what's going on. But it was basically a thing where uh, before the Civil War and in many ways after the Civil War, the Democrats were the Confederates, uh, and then also there were some Northern guys like Stephen Douglas and Grover Cleveland who were uh, uh, not Confederates, but not like way down with um, equality or or positive uh, <laughs> things there. Right, um, or but also humanity. the Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, that that whole thing. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but and then also the Republicans, especially after Grant got pretty into big business, and the Democrats more and more got into like the little guy and the farmer and and all the like. There's all this like gold and silver stuff that is incredibly confusing now. But that was a whole thing, and the Democrats were more into minting silver 
because uh, it was sort of like a bailout for for poorer people. It's very it's like every late 1800s political position is like sleep inducing. It's it's the most like powerful <laughs> narcotic if you want to like start to doze. But I love it. I, I can't help it. It's a failing and I'm working on it. It's great. Uh, this is your opportunity to vent. And, oh, I love it. Um, yeah. And for uh, thousands of people sitting in their cars and homes going, what? Or yes. One of those two things is happening among the rangers of the Dork Forest. So what? Okay. So what do we know about... Yeah, because I I read briefly. I was like, well, go look at a Wikipedia at the very least, which um, I usually do no research uh, for the Dork Forest so that I'm uh, (laughs) I'm the fresh-faced person who gets to say, what? Anyway, and I will be doing plenty of that. But but there was some talk about (laughs) the gold standard versus the silver standard. I don't remember, was it, were we always on the gold standard? When did the gold standard happen? I thought it was... Was it from was the, it from seventeen uh, hundreds or? Yeah, like the gist of it, I know is that we were on the gold standard, and then also briefly got off of it a little bit in the Civil War when they printed what was called greenbacks just to have more money going. Yeah, uh, but then they were like, "That was a wartime thing. Cut it out." And uh, and then it was back to the gold standard, and then in especially the eighteen nineties. Farmers started to say, hey, there, we can mint all this silver, and if you do that and generate more money, there will be inflation and we'll be in less debt, and that would be really nice. Uh, and so the Democrats got more and more into that, but Grover Cleveland was always about the gold standard, was always a Republican in that way. And like, it's it's the best way to think of his politics is like super centrist. Like he's he's sort of a, a Bill Clinton in hindsight of of like – I'm straight down the middle of like whatever the politics are right now. And and that's the only way a Democrat can get elected because otherwise it'll be Republicans for uh, 70 years, which would have happened if, if Cleveland didn't get elected at all. Oh, interesting. So because he was the only Democrat uh, from because it was Lincoln and then it was Johnson. Yeah. Was Grant a Republican? So James Buchanan was a Democrat and Woodrow okay. Wilson was a Democrat. And right. then... Other than Cleveland, that's it. Everybody that's, in between is a Republican. Yeah. Huh. It's crazy. Okay. That yeah. is crazy. Because Buchanan would have been late 1850s, and then and then Wilson is 1913. Right. The and World then other War than I. that, that's it. Yeah. And then that's yeah. it. And then, but so, so the, but the, the flip in the party and Grover Cleveland, it sounds like he sort of personified what that is just because he was like, we got to. We got to reinvent ourselves to get elected. Like he wanted to be a Democrat, but yeah. he also wanted to be elected. So he's like, well, let's appeal to the this batch. So is he sort of yeah. the one that, I mean, if if James Buchanan in the 1850s, yeah, th- this has to, Grover Cleveland essentially created the current Democratic Party that almost. In a lot of ways, yeah, because it's, it's also a thing where, uh, uh, very understandably, after the Civil War, everyone was like, uh, oh, if the Democrats are basically Confederates, let's not vote for them. Uh, and it, there was a tactic that the Republicans did called waving the bloody shirt, which is they would do campaign things where they were basically like, we are the Union and they're the Confederacy, so vote for us. And it worked great. Uh, like like for Grant decades. is president for two terms yeah. and, then, and then other guys after that. Yeah. Uh, And so Cleveland finds a way to run on like his own personal moral character. He he had a brand of like this guy is against corruption and like this specific guy is not an asshole. 
Uh, and that, that was that worked for him for and, uh, basically three elections in a row. And he was from the north, right? Where was he from? Yeah. Born in New Jersey and then quickly moved to like upstate New York and grew up in uh, like Utica and uh, a couple other towns up there and then ended up building his career in Buffalo. So hello, Buffalo, New York. This is your guy. Yeah, That's this your, is your guy. Your Buffalo. Okay. So yeah. he's a, a northern New York state guy. And and he's saying, I'm against corruption. And um, wait, did you just tell me, was Teddy Roosevelt uh, a Republican? He was. Right. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he also and ran then ended on up an running as a bull moose. Right, because he was because he ran on an anti-corruption platform as well. So yeah. was Grover Cleveland actually anti-corruption? He he was mostly. Yeah, it, it ended up being a thing where he was relative to the other guys anti-corruption because he <laughs> uh, th- there was this weird thing. Like James Garfield's presidency is crazy. I feel like I feel like I'm describing like a cinematic universe that that only I care about. But uh, it's it's no, like please, this thing where all these the guys Avengers. interconnect. Yeah, it's right. <laughs> Who's the Ant Man? Okay, so. <laughs> Chester Arthur. Like kind of. Uh, it was uh, <laughs> Chester A. Arthur. Actually, a pretty good guy. He was uh, he, he was the guy who uh, wasn't supposed to be president, right? And then uh, Garfield was yeah. assassinated, and so. So he was a customs agent, wasn't he? Chester A. Arthur. That's, that's exactly he, right. Yeah. yeah. And he, that's where he got most of his money because there was a lot of skimming off the top. Um, but yeah. we, weirdly, <laughs> weird fun fact about Chester A. Arthur. He worked, a uh, guy who worked for him was a guy uh, by the name of Herm, uh, Herman Melville. Remember that? Did you ever hear about? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. The guy who wrote Moby Dick was a customs agent and died poor because he refused to skim off the top. <laughs> just wrote the one book uh yeah. actually did more good for society i think as a customs agent than uh than as a guy who wrote very very specific uh whale facts uh i've tried to read moby dick so many times i don't know if you've ever made it through but oh. it is i had a few false starts and then i did it like a year ago and i actually really enjoyed it but also there's like a massive chunk of the book full of incorrect whale facts. Like there's a whole chunk where Ishmael is like, whales aren't mammals, they're fish. That's just what's going on. That's what I believe. And no, it's not true at all. <laughs> did they there wasn't a did science know that they were mammals at the time? Was I'm Herman pretty sure, yeah. yeah uh, Herman yeah. Melville might have just been <laughs> incorrect. Uh because I will tell you this is that uh, I've read the first probably 40 or 50 pages a couple of times and there's a couple of yeah. very funny lines in the beginning. It's, I mean, it's kind of, there's, it's actually quite entertaining. And then literally, uh, yeah. just a spiral of, of stupid whale facts. And I'm like, Hey, why don't you, leave the, <laughs> why don't you just leave the whales alone and talk about these people? And, uh, so, yeah. uh, I don't, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so, uh, so Grover Cleveland though, grows up, goes to Buffalo. What was his career like before he was president? What did he, did he come up through the system? He, uh, there are some good things about Grover Cleveland, and one of them is that he didn't really come from like privilege or or some massive political background or anything. He was one of nine kids. He had to get pulled out of school when he was thirteen because they just didn't have enough money, and he needed to go to work. Uh, his dad died at sixteen. He had to keep working, and then 
he ended up in Buffalo because he had an uncle there who was a lawyer. And so instead of going to law school, he just like taught himself law past the bar and then got into law from there, uh, which is nice. You know, you hear about so many presidents who are a president's son. And this yeah. guy is not. He's he's a guy who like worked up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, um, yeah. F- uh, again, I will digress with an anecdote, Alex Schmidt, uh, which is that uh, uh, Taft's great grandson is uh, was the head of RBC Dane Rauscher, uh, which is the Royal Canadian Bank, and um, <laughs> so I read his book. It was well, about, if you got a bank, you got to get a Taft in there. I mean, what are you doing get without a Taft? A Taft in. You know, and but uh, <laughs> but my sister heard him uh, w- one of his speeches once, and he's a he's a pretty good guy. And uh, uh, but he because RBC Dane Rauscher was one of the only banks that was not. Uh, did not get involved in the 2006, 2008, uh, p- putting all the mortgages bundled and then selling them off oh. into pixels. And because uh, yeah. in his book, he talks about how he was offered those. And he was like, well, how is this going to help my clients? And they're like, and he was told by the people who were bundling these things that it wouldn't particularly help his clients, but it would really help RBC Dane Rauscher. And he was like, well, that's actually not my job, and I think it's illegal, so I don't think I'm going to do it. Anyway, so this is this guy, Taft, who's the grandson of the wow. president, Taft. And um, my sister heard him speak once, uh, many times, but one time he said, you know, I have a degree in French literature, and do you know how I got my job as a VP of Dane Rauscher? I'm President Taft's great-grandson. And he just laid it out. He was like, it's uh, nepotism. Uh, so take into account that I was born with a <laughs> silver spoon jammed up my ass. And so, I mean, this is kind of great right. that, that Grover Cleveland just came from people and and um, and came up that way. It's interesting. Can you become a lawyer it. now yeah. without, without uh, an accredited degree oh. from – can you take the bar if you don't have a degree from something that's accredited? Yeah, I don't know. And it and it was somewhat common that people did what he did at that time because it was just harder to like go to law school in a formal way or something. Uh, but yeah, I th- it was I, I like the idea that somebody can just hit the books really hard and do it versus this like the uh, old that. money kind of thing. Yeah, I love yeah. that. That's awesome. Have you seen Have you seen that thing where uh, recently there's a statue of Louis the Sixteenth in I think Louisville, Kentucky? And some and some demonstrators like broke a hand off it, and it turns out Louis the Twentieth is on Twitter and was like, "This is an affront to my family, and I feel I'm the rightful king of France if we ever switch back." And and he's a whole guy, like wow. it's it's just crazy history and and uh, oh. direct nepotism going on. Yeah, that uh, that. Yeah, you might want to let that go, buddy. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, the, the, the entire 1800s were full of, of French France's revolutions. Uh, they're a little wary right. of revolution <laughs> and of monarchy. <laughs> they spent 100 years <laughs> fighting that fight. <laughs> they're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy smokes. So, okay, so he became a lawyer and then decided yeah. to go into uh, what is euphemistically referred to as public service. And so he ran. Oh boy, did he! Because uh, he the the thing about him, he had like I think a pretty. It was an extreme workaholic bachelor kind of life. Like he lived in a boarding house instead of a regular house. He apparently just would spend 
all day working very, very hard and then go out drinking all night and then get up and do it again. Uh, he also, his actual name, Grover is his middle name. His actual name is Stephen Grover Cleveland. And apparently oh. some people close to him nicknamed him Big Steve. And I know that sounds like a joke. I know it sounds like I'm making it up. It's just what some people called an actual president in the 1800s was Big Steve, <laughs> uh, which is really exciting. <laughs> that is exciting. That's bananas. Hey, Big Steve. Yeah. Big Steve, rounds on you. <laughs> and uh, I, I like that right, he was right. doing the hanging out because I bet you in politics, it's just like stand up. If you want to get the gig, you got to hang out. You got to press the flesh. You got to, yeah. you got to, who books that kind of thing. So. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, so, and he was like, he was like, who books sheriff of Erie County, New York? I would like to do that. And then he, he got elected. Yeah, that was his first job in politics. Uh, so he was a, he was a county sheriff. And that was his first yeah, elected and it, position. And it was an extreme thing because uh, there was one thing on the books that said that if there was going to be a hanging as a, an execution of someone, either the sheriff had to do it or they had to pay someone else $10 to be a deputy and do it. And he was throughout his career, very publicly all about saving money and being, being like very good about money. And so he was like, no, I'm doing it myself. And, and like personally hung two different people while he was sheriff. Oh my God. Yeah. Holy. And then he was president later. Then it's yeah, crazy. Guy, guy that hung a couple of people. Uh, holy smokes. Do you have any idea who he, did you ever go down the rabbit hole of who those those criminals were? Oh. That no, no, I, I yeah, oh. I, I'm sure they didn't deserve it. Uh, justice is weird. But yeah, <laughs> justice, justice is weird. Where's that T-shirt? Uh, yeah, because <laughs> uh, there's some sort of a, there's there's like all these stats about uh, about executions and how uh, more often than not, uh, it, it, there's there's no reason to kill them. So, uh, yeah, the, the yeah. death penalty uh, maybe, And it's such a permanent error. So, uh, yeah, yep. I'm going to take a stand. Yeah. I'm against it. Uh, hard to <laughs> hard to believe. Anyway, so so he was sheriff. And then how, how do you make a lateral move out of law enforcement into? I don't know, senator, congressman. So and then the other the other weird thing, like I feel like Cleveland is best known for those two, like three elections and the weird non consecutive terms. But like his rise to the presidency is really, really fast and weird as the thing where he's chair for a while and then just goes back to being a lawyer. And start of 1881, Grover Cleveland is a lawyer in Buffalo, New York. Like, that's it. He's a he's a lawyer in a medium sized city. That's it. Uh, and then fall of 1881, he's elected mayor of Buffalo. Fall of 1882, he's elected governor of New York. And fall of 1884, he's nominated and elected president. It, it's it's within really four years he goes from being a guy to the president of the United States, just like that. Holy smokes. That's that's yeah. crazy. Was he because I know that that during New York in the late 1880s, in the late 1800s, there was yeah. a lot of. Was it Tammany Hall? What was it? It was uh, it was being that, that oh, was sure. It was I think it started in the 1880s and it was being run. By that short guy whose name I forget. Hi, that was Heidest. Anyway, but the thing is, is uh, there was a guy who, who, uh, who essentially ran the state of New York from the city of New York, and a lot yeah. of legislature. Is it Roscoe Conkling. It was it? it was Roscoe. Yeah, that's him. 
He was. Oh, okay, cool. And that guy yeah. was like five, 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 six, which was uh, kind of short for being uh, a politician, which is why he was the he was the Karl Rove at the time. You know, he the power behind the yeah. throne kind of thing. And um, <laughs> yeah, so but and in political cartoons, I'm sure he was like two feet tall. You know, like they would really <laughs> blow it out. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. The caricature. They'd be like, look at that guy. Look at his ears. It's a the the Ross Perot giant earballs. Um, right, right. Yeah. What uh, was Roscoe Cochran, to your knowledge? I don't remember his career enough, and he isn't your dorkdom, so you may not know. But uh, you came up with his name, yeah. which is amazing. Uh, I feel like he was. I there was a. There was a statue of him in, or still is a statue of him in Madison Square Park. And yeah, I would always notice like, oh, look at this kind of round short guy with a statue. Right. And then William Seward's across the way with a very distinguished, like lean, uh, you know, like, sure. like uh, David Strathairn looking guy. It's very, it's a real contrast. Yeah, I think, uh, I think I know about those statues because of that Sarah Vowell book. Did you ever read uh, Assassination Vacation? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome, which is, uh, so whenever I go to New York, uh, I see a statue, I'm like, who the hell is that? Is that Conklin? Because his name, supposedly, <laughs> his name isn't even on that statue. That That's how well known he is, is you should know who that guy is. That's, uh, oh, that's Roscoe neat. Conklin. Yeah. But Seward, <laughs> across the street, there's a plaque. <laughs> and <Right>. uh, <laughs> and he was shot. And he he annexed annexed uh, Alaska. He did the, you know. Yeah. He, he had all kinds of things going on. Anyway. Um, so. Yeah. Lincoln's right hand. Whole thing. Yeah. yeah the whole. Yeah. So what. Um, so he's mayor and then he's governor. Did he do anything notable as mayor or governor? He. I. It. It's a very funny career to me because, like, basically, while he was doing the sudden rise, the nation was in chaos because, uh, like, James Garfield is elected 1880 and is then shot almost immediately. Uh, the assassin shouts about how glad he is that Chester Arthur will be president. Right. Arthur becomes president and then does what nobody expected, like you were saying. Like, he was, he like reformed things in a way people didn't expect. And then it became, it led up to an election where, they, they just kept having elections where they were like, OK, many Republicans right now want corruption, kind of. And many Democrats kind of want corruption right now. If we just run a guy who's famously not corrupt, that'll probably work. And it worked. Boom, boom, boom. Like suddenly mayor, governor, president. Boom, done. Yeah. Uh, and, and then suddenly people were like, I guess this guy with a mustache is the president. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Did <laughs> it's it, the what, weirdest thing. <laughs> that is the weirdest thing. And so. With that sort of momentum being interrupted, could he get anything done? Did he get anything done? He did um, a lot of little stuff, basically. Like he, one of his most famous things he did is vetoing everything. Uh, he, I'd, I'd have to look at it written down here, but for one thing, <laughs> he vetoed uh, an 1887 bill called the Texas Seed Bill. And it was a tiny bill to buy some seed for farmers in a drought. It was like the the actual today's dollars worth was something like two hundred thousand dollars, and they were just like, "Great, tiny bill for it. Let's do it." Yeah. And he vetoed it so he could go give a speech about how much he hates wasting money, and and like be like, "I'm a guy who doesn't like government overspending. I'm I'm smart." And people were like, "He does seem smart." And then nobody got seed, you know. So it's not great, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's the thing he wow. got to do. <laughs> he needed to make a speech. Uh, so he thought he would, yeah. I don't know, run a couple of farms out of business. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. So and he ended up he did uh, in his first term, he vetoed 414 things. And that was more than double all the vetoes by all presidents in history before then. So he just spent his whole first term being like, no, I'm destroying waste. But then they kind of didn't do a lot as a government. <laughs> right. Uh, did, did he have, you know, it's like whenever I think about these guys, I always think to myself, do they know uh, what is their purpose of government? You know? Does he, you know, what they yeah. run on and his purpose of government was to essentially make it smaller, make it less. I like, I wonder what he did believe in. Like, did he believe in the cross country railroad system? He didn't, I mean, it was already built, but did he believe right. in science? Did he want to, did he national education was, did he have anything that he wanted to spend money on that he was in favor of? He was he was in favor of like the whole 1880s. And, and the reason Garfield gets shot is because people are arguing about when a party comes into power, do they get to give all of their friends all of the jobs in the government? Right. And his his argument was, no, it's going to be like non-corrupt, uh, uh, like a test and qualifications to get a job. And, and we kind of take that for granted now with and, and I'm not talking about like secretaries of the cabinet. I mean, like postal workers and, and like super basic jobs. Right, right. The customs. Agents. So he was way into that. Yeah, so yeah, he, he yeah. was. Oh, so he was the guy. See, I don't know if you can hear the helicopters. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but the uh, I, so was he the guy? They heard who, we're talking about the government. We got to go. Exactly. We gotta go. I'm oh, sure. Man. <laughs> oh man. And uh, the uh, I wonder if it's like civil servants and uh, creation of bureaucracy yeah. and this type of and the and the standardization of of testing and that type of thing. Did did he encourage that? Did he create that? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he he was always in favor of it and and seemed, as far as I can tell, seemed to like actually help push it along. I forget when the Pendleton Silver, uh, Civil Service Act came around, but that was either before him or during him. And so that that was kind of the big landmark law for it. Uh, pardon me while I write down the Pendleton Civil Service Act and look that yeah. up later, <laughs> because I need to know Not more. Not to bring up too hilarious of a law and topic, but uh, the Pendleton <laughs> uh, Civil Service Reform Act, uh, for all you seriously, folks. Seriously, I'm willing to let you Google that. I would love to know when the Pendleton Civil Service Act came into power, and, um, yeah, yeah. and willing to make <laughs> rangers uh, wait for it. Because uh, they want to know, because they... <laughs> Because some of them, not not that there's a lot of driving anymore, but uh, uh, but but <laughs> right, I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna do it. There it is, 1883, the year before he became president. Year before, yeah, interesting. So that was so, like that was a lot of what the what people were debating was basically how do we make it so government jobs are not just treats for politicians' friends. And how do we decide to have gold or silver back in the currency? And he believed in do the jobs the right way and gold like we've always done it. And so he was like pro not corruption and pro big business, basically. Okay. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. And that was a Chester A. Arthur thing, the Pendleton, which makes sense because that guy was not supposed to be president. <laughs> and I believe yeah. Roscoe Conklin <laughs> uh, got him nominated for VP to get him out of New York politics. Chester A. Arthur. Oh, that's and, awesome. And then when Garfield was murdered, um, was like, oh, what the fuck just happened? And because uh, then <laughs> Chester A. Arthur became the president. And uh, so 
Just, uh, but yeah. I, Chester and, A. Arthur also. And similar happened with Teddy Roosevelt. They were like, oh, we really want William McKinley and let's like shove Teddy Roosevelt out of New York state government. And then and then I think Mark Hanna, who was McKinley's advisor, said, oh, no, that damn Cowboys president. Like That's it's a famous right. quote about, oh, shit, the, the thing happened again in New York. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think uh, either that or I'm conflating those two stories and making it about Chester A. Arthur, which uh, why not? It's a really good nah. story. Let's make it about both of them. Um, yeah. So, so he comes in and he and so he encourages the expansion of the Pendleton Act, I guess. And, and then so and the gold standard. Do you understand the gold standard? Can you explain the gold standard to me? I I think I can. I, I, I'm sort of guessing and okay. uh, sort of probably pulling from <laughs> the Wizard of Oz or whatever we do. But I think it's a thing where uh, basically the gold standard was just we have to have a set of gold that matches the amount of money that we have out in the world, like circulating. Like every every piece of money has to have a piece of gold with it somewhere in some some uh, vault Knox. that James Bond will protect. You know? Yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. Fort okay. Knox, yeah. Yeah. So so it's all in uh, Fort Knox and. Then, and- so, so then it's backed up by something real, right? So, yeah. so the and money is worth the money. The money that you have in your hand is worth an actual precious item that that can be used yeah. anywhere in the world. Thus, anywhere in the world will take this greenback because we have a pile of gold like Scrooge McDuck somewhere, and um, yeah. and they wanted to switch it to the silver standard. There was some talk about that. Yeah, they wanted to like they wanted to like bring silver into it. And there was uh boy. Sorry, guys. The Sherman Silver Purchase Act was like another law that said, oh, we'll, we'll the government will buy some silver and then it'll still be where we have precious metal backing the money. It'll just be now there will also be silver, which means there's more money out there, more wealth. There's inflation. And like if you're a person with debt, that's easier. If you're a person holding debt, that's harder. And so all of the the, lo- the lower class poorer people seem to want silver, especially if they were farmers because they were mortgaged like crazy. Uh, okay. And so Cleveland was opposed to that. And then basically as soon as he was done being president, the Democrats said, screw that. We're going to do silver as much as we can. Uh, and they ran a guy named William Jennings Bryan, who did a speech about the cross of gold and how, oh, we're all being like oppressed by gold being the standard, uh, even though their guy who had been president like months before uh, felt that way. Exactly. That was their thing. <laughs> well, the yeah. weird thing is, is that, I mean, whether it's gold or silver, it's not, it's, it, I don't understand. I, here's what I don't understand about it. And I can look this up or I'm sure someone will email me, uh, which is why Oh yeah, it's different. You know, what's the difference between a gold standard and a silver standard? If you still have a precious metal that you have to have a pile of to hold up your currency, like, because now we're not on right. the gold standard, right? Now it's all just uh, a wink and a nod yeah. and uh, we'll slap you on the ass. But you believe in us, right? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's yeah, nothing I think, I think the standard now is one guy in Washington being like, come on. Come like, on. That's, that's just what it is. And that's it's fun. Yeah. More so than ever before. Oh, fuck. <laughs> anyway, pardon my, pardon my language. Uh, so what... So, so the the deal was is that silver was just easier to get. Is that what it is? Because we had the because because of the mining, like Deadwood, you know, the silver yeah. mines of Deadwood and the and the Black Hills. There was, you know, the the gold totally. rush was in eighteen forties. The silver rush was in, I believe, eighteen seventies. 
So that's why they probably yeah, it was wanted later. To, yeah, yeah, so they probably wanted to go silver. Interesting. Any I, I think it's also it's kind of the kind of thing where like <clears throat> it's not happening in a vacuum. Like we we already have gold, so if we bring silver in too, like there was talk of something called bimetallism, which is when you have both metals <laughs> back in the money. So it was just like a it was just like a we already have the gold, and if we add silver, look how much more money we can have circulating. Like, right, right. Because uh, then we're was, just richer. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. Well, the weird. And thing so there is, were political cartoons of like a guy on a bicycle with a gold wheel and a silver wheel. It's just really like wacky, impossible to understand now politics. But it was what people deeply believed in at the time. They yeah. deeply believed in it. <laughs> but and and does it? The weird thing is, is so if the okay, let's let's bring it down to something manageable. And these are all fascinating <laughs> stories, by the way. Alex Schmidt. I am learning <laughs> things and thinking about things. Uh, and that is oh, the only... Right. And it's the only reason I have the show. So, uh, so the... It's so great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the... Um, so where... How does the government get the silver and the gold? They have to buy it, but do they buy it with greenbacks? Do they buy it with land? How do... Oh. Uh, that I don't totally understand, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, I like, just, I just know they that just they hit a lot it? of, uh, yeah. Or do they just go, hey, we're the government. Uh, we're going to take the tax in this precious metal that, and here's a loaf of bread that you then eat and no longer have any more of. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Like where, where did the government get the, get it is, is I think, I think a valid question. Yeah. Right. It's like, how do you pay for the metal that backs the money with money? How does that even work? Uh, it's also it's a weird thing where like we think of the government as charging a lot of taxes and being a large organization just in general. And before the Civil War, it kind of wasn't. It, it, they really ramped it up in order to beat the Confederacy. Like they just expanded what it was and, and started taxing people more. But uh, like in Cleveland's time, the Civil War was living memory. Like there's a bunch of people who are uh, like trying to figure out what a large government is at all. Mm -hmm. Like not, not this like, Oh, big government's evil thing. Like just, Oh God, the government's large. Like, what does that even mean? Like it used to just kind of like handle the post office basically. And now it's doing all these other things. Right. And I think it was in the early 1900s that the income tax was invented. This would be after, this would be after Grover Cleveland. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but I, I the 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 metal thing is like it's something that they were way into. Like there were people who called themselves gold bugs, and then they had a little golden pin on their lapel that was shaped like a bug, and they were like, "Now we can all see we all like gold." And to, and to us, it sounds bonkers and and like some kind of weird. Uh, like, are we at an economics conference? Like, what are these guys doing? I don't get it. But the right. regular person on the street was like, gold and silver, that's a thing I think about a lot, all the time. Ba -ba -da -ba -da. Right, right. I'm a gold guy. I'm a silver guy. <laughs> I'm a gold guy. I'm a silver guy. Pow, pow, pow. And that is, uh, yeah. <laughs> that is kind of bananas in the way that you're just like, but, you know, politicians have always been wearing weird things on their lapels to tell us that they're better people than the other people next to them. It's all, it's all yeah. so weird. Now... Do you have more fun facts about Grover Cleveland, or can we tell America who Benjamin Lay is? Because I'm kind of fascinated by. Yeah, let's. Uh, I think maybe like two Cleveland stories because uh, yeah, they're, they're both uh, one. One is horrifying, and then one is horrifying but fun. Okay. Uh, <laughs> basically, he was a lot like Bill Clinton, also in that he was very bad to ladies in his life. 
Uh, and one of the things was that he, he had a child with a lady and then tried to cover it up and then tried to have her put in an, in an insane asylum for talking about it. Uh, and he also kind of built his career on it because he seemed to be very honest about it when he was actually being like a maniac. He, he was a very bad guy with that. And, and so people uh, should not be that into him for it, I think. Ah, yes. Uh, that's the super short version, but it's not that's, great. Yeah. That's the short version of the fact that he might have been uh, a guy with absolute power who was a piece of shit. Uh, that'll happen. Yeah. That'll happen. Because yeah. even guys who have just a small amount of power uh, will sometimes use it poorly. Uh, any kind yep. of <laughs> any kind of power going to make somebody uh, cornea in a green room and you're going to be like, mm, you're going to have to back off. So, uh, but the, oh, um, yeah. so it's, uh, it, uh, so interesting though, that there's just the one lady that, uh, that we know about. I'm sure, I mean, the, it's, it's usually the tip of the iceberg though. Is it like, if he's willing to yeah. uh, put one person, that was a, that was a big thing though, in, incarcerating women for hysteria or for being uh, just mouthy. And, uh, you know, yeah, uh, they, they said she had a condition called anomania, which is just that you have ever had alcohol and that you are like lippy. Like that's, that's kind of the condition. And then doctors held her for three days in an insane asylum before they said, no, I think, I think Grover Cleveland's just like punishing her. We should let her out of the insane asylum, uh, which is not great. Not, you know, he's not, not a good guy. Not a good guy. But here's, here's the interesting thing. Proof that uh, decent men have existed uh, for thousands of years uh, where they're just like, what, hey, are you, yeah. what are you making me doing? I'm not going to do the thing. <laughs> you seem like a real hunk of junk, buddy. Anyway, so uh, let us encourage yeah. uh, those three doctors who finally were like, what? 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 She seems fine. Anyway, so uh, right. good for those three guys. <laughs> and what's the other one? What's the other story? And then the other thing is he, uh, while he was in his second term as president, Grover Cleveland had a secret surgery on his head to remove a tumor. And told no one and kept it as quiet as he could. And then also a reporter found out and they tried to ruin the guy's life for reporting it. Uh, so he like when you like first start to learn, oh, what's like actual facts about Grover Cleveland? The, one of the first facts you learn is like what an honest and uncorrupt guy. He hated corruption. He loved telling the truth. What a thing. And then throughout his life, he's just a maniac, like really not that at all. If you actually find out who he was. Right, right. And if you were to look into, I started looking into the personal lives of like any of these guys, LBJ, you know, that guy oh, yeah. was a bananas. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, uh, I think Kennedy was a hunk of junk. Uh, Eisenhower racked yeah. with guilt with the the people that he murdered <laughs> during the war, <laughs> you know, and you're just like, well, you were at war. And he was like, mm, still didn't feel good about it. Anyway, so uh, the, uh, um, that is interesting. And then, you know, George Washington, he had more than one set of teeth, false teeth. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, – you, have you ever heard the story about George Washington had a set of teeth that was made uh, from slaves, from his slaves? He pulled their teeth. I, actually, I, I, I picked that up from your show. That's oh, one of the ones I've checked out. Uh, I, I went straight to the history ones in the feed, and I was oh, like, "Oh, there you go! Wow, that's yeah. something. That yeah. that makes you want to go. Hey, you're all good in theory, and uh, right. so Jefferson. You know, I went to uh, Monticello and uh, and uh, the the tour of the of the slave quarters. 
uh, I, I could either take the housekeeper's tour, which was essentially it was a it was the the tour, and they were both actually slave tours. It was a it was a tour that you could take about the house slaves, uh-huh. or you could take it about the field slaves. And um, and Andy and I were like, let's do the hard one. Let's do the let's do the the field slaves. And, the field uh, and one, it was, yeah. yeah, and it was it was uh it was incredibly powerful and horrible and um there was probably 20 people and like six people were black and 14 people were white and about 3 quarters of the way through it uh the black people were like and enough. We're fucking off. <laughs> and uh fair <laughs> enough. I mean there's just, you know, I mean it uh and i was like oh no we're staying we're staying to the end we're gonna hear every every fucking drip and uh and this and the guy who who had to do it was um a white guy and he was like i can tell you that uh thomas jefferson in had a lot of great theory a lot of great uh a lot of great documentation didn't exactly live up to it in his personal life uh but passed on some ideals and why don't we try to fulfill those ideals? And it was kind of a nice little sort of. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be an apologist for this guy, but uh, here's my half apology for this guy. <laughs> you know, so yeah, yeah. I, and and I, I like knowing all the bad presidential stuff because it it helps like keep the president perspective and know that because like they all i was talking with elliot kalen once uh on a a pod and he was talking about how like all the presidents get boiled down to like one fact or quality or something you know like oh taft fat like that's just all we know or like lincoln beard save the union like it just it just all gets down to that right right it's good to know like the details so then when you hear something crazy or positive about a current politician it like has the right gravity you know that's that is uh incredibly true that i i feel like that um yeah that might be the clip my friend uh just because oh, how about that yeah just uh even though i might take something that's funnier uh but the <laughs> <laughs> because the, the insanity is that is 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 when someone says, I can't vote for this person because they have done bad things or because they are terrible in this way. You're like, my first question is, who is your favorite president? Who is your favorite uh, <laughs> politician? Because allow me to dis- <clears throat> to disappoint you, right? It, um, right. Yeah. For, like Abraham Lincoln, for example, uh, had a problem with the Native Americans during the Civil War. There were uprising, Native American uprisings, on their land uh, in the Dakotas, and he was uh, given updates on this from the garrisons, the Union garrisons on on the frontier, and famously wrote to one of the the um, one of the colonels out there, one of the people in charge. Yeah, I don't have time for this. I'm fighting a civil war. Just kill them. Kill them all. And you're like, yeah. oh, shit. <laughs> Not cool. And, uh, you know, and then the right. other side about Abraham Lincoln is, I don't know if you ever saw Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, also not based on fact. Not a lot of facts there. Uh, <laughs> what? 
Well, I know, I know. He was, uh, it turns out. But, but Jackie, there aren't vampires anymore. So you, who did it? Well, I didn't say that wasn't true. Some of the other things. Oh, okay. like he, he actually came to abolitionism late in life. Uh, in in oh, Vampire yeah, Hunter, yeah. they had him an abolitionist <laughs> child. He was not so. Anyway, speaking of abolitionism, why don't you tell me about Benjamin Lay? Look at that. Oh, perfect throw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is another, I, because Grover Cleveland is someone who I've just uh, grown a dimmer and dimmer view of over time. And Benjamin Lay, I'm just more and more impressed by everything I, I learn and read. Uh, he was a guy who was born in England, came to America, but he lived from the 1680s to the 1750s. Uh, so he's a pre-United States person and is one of the, it's one of the most remarkable people to ever live and and a famous uh, well, not very famous abolitionist, but one of the first uh, people for the abolition of slavery in like the entire United States uh, and ended up laying a lot of groundwork for it, even though he was a pretty unlikely uh, messenger of of that message. Right, right. Uh, I again, uh, because I didn't you sent a great article as a link when you said this is one of my dorkdoms and it kind of did some summation. Have you read other biographies yeah. of his or have you read uh, more? Cause he seems like an, I've read, an amazing I've read other, guy. He is. Yeah. I've read other pieces about him and he's also the kind of guy where uh, his work as an abolitionist did not leave very much like texts or a lot of like speeches left. It's all just like tall tales of him confronting fellow Quakers in the most colorful and like stunt driven way possible. Uh, and then there are also a lot of paintings of him because he was slightly over four feet tall. Uh, and it was because he had a condition called kyphosis where your spine is curved very ag aggressively. Uh, and so he was a very, very small person uh, just standing up to everyone he possibly could. And he, he called himself like Little Benjamin was one nickname, but he also would describe himself as being like David in the Bible, like taking on the Goliath of everybody and slavery. It's so interesting to me because um, what I know about Quakerism could fit uh, in, a, I don't know, a pint glass. And, uh, but it's, most, <laughs> it's mostly that they have always been conscientious objectors during wars. And that they're huge peaceniks, yeah. and uh, and that they uh, meditate a fair bit. Uh, that's what uh, that they that they have silent times. And and the only other thing I know about their sort of meetings is that everybody gets to speak, men and women. This is those those are like the five things I know about Quakers. But he so he is that's pretty good. He's from England originally, from Quaker stock, right? Yeah, his uh, his parents and grandparents were Quakers, uh, but apparently not as devoutly as, as he ended up getting into it. And and also Quakerism was like relatively new at the time. It came out of the Reformation and, and had not been like a, a faith for a long time. I, th I think it's also people call it the Society of Friends or whatever. But um, right. I, I shouldn't of whatever the actual name of their faith. Uh, but you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah I do completely. <laughs> it's fine. It's, um, uh, <laughs> if you're a real Quaker, you won't be mad. Hey, Jackie, jackass. <laughs> anyway, so that's on me. Okay. <laughs> so it's not on Alex Schmidt. Okay, go. <laughs> so <laughs> the other, the two other Quaker things I know is one of them's presidential because Richard Nixon came from Quakers and, and I 
I think that's a, just sort of a, an overall shame for for the uh, people of the faith. That uh, is a but, lot. But the other is that my my brother went to a Quaker college. Uh, it's called Earlham College. It's in Indiana, uh, and their mascot was the Fighting Quakers, and they had a like pacifist fight song. It was it was like a fight song about. Uh, let's achieve consensus with our fellow people kind of thing. It was, it was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, my niece and nephew actually go to a Quaker school, grade school, which is why I know that they have silent time. And uh, so, oh, there you go. I mean, you're trying to make a five-year-old sit quiet. And, um, <laughs> and so by the time they're in junior high, they can sit quietly for a half an hour. They can meditate essentially and just no books, nothing, just sit there and think for a half an hour. They're like super children. Which is amazing. They're incredibly calm children. You know, it's a, it's, I think it, it, it's a good idea to teach. It seems like, and they're good kids, you know, it's so funny um, because you know, my sister, of course, loves her children. And, uh, but I was, I was always uh, like, typical, so, typical. And I was like, <laughs> are they typically geniuses? And she goes, no, no, they aren't geniuses, Jackie. They're very, uh, first of all, privileged. So they are overeducated. So they are very smart children because of the, the things that they have been given. And, uh, they are aware that, that a lot of people don't have small classes and, uh, the sort of attention that they get. So, uh, I hope that they uh, that they use their powers for good. That's what I'm hoping for. And I was like, "Holy shit!" Okay, calm down. And uh, so, but it was um, <laughs> so so he's so he. But doesn't he like so? They're not devout enough for him. So doesn't he run away or something? Uh, Benjamin. Lay. Yeah, he. Benjamin Lay. Yeah, he's uh, not not your uh, niece no, and nephew. Yeah, not yeah. my niece and nephew. Uh, <laughs> They're still in. They're still in the Quaker town. <laughs> just just way into the episode by the way if you see my relatives please please tell us where they are and this they- is, <laughs> i love the look on your face you're just like is this still me no jackie's telling an anecdote fair enough this is uh, you are <laughs> I, I believe my listeners are relatively aware that i will weed off but uh, i do always eventually come back and i will give you an extra 10 minutes on this show just because i think i i want to i want oh, people to fun. know about benjamin lay He's yeah, me too. Uh, he's he's a guy who uh, he's he's living in Colchester, England, which I had to look up. It's in like the eastern part of England, northeast of London. Uh, but he his, fa- his family does like farming and he does some of that. And then at age 21, he runs away to be a sailor because uh, he is he wants to be more of a Quaker and also just go on adventures because uh, because especially in the like around 1700, like the North Atlantic is very exciting if you're British, like you like you own all of it and you can go all the places. It's great. you know. <laughs> right. And but he's not a strapping guy and he has this problem with his spine. Did that? How did that? Yeah. How long was he a sailor? He apparently he did it for a while and uh, would just kind of bunk with the other guys. And uh, I, fe- I feel like it's like that thing where they want smaller people to be submarine crew like it, it probably his other people were like oh i can stretch out because this guy's smaller you know i'm just guessing oh, but uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what i would say if i was a british sailor that's what sure. i would do <laughs> it's like let's hang out with this guy it's uh he's gonna take up less space in the in the cots um yeah but then, but then he ends up emigrating to what is the colonies at the time the the the, the british colonies in north america is he does he go to boston yeah. where does he go so he, uh, before he does that, he ends up in Barbados, uh, which is a, a lovely island. I've been to it. 
but at the time it was almost oh. entirely sugar plantations worked by slaves. And so he's right. there for 18 months and sees like slavery. Like he hadn't really seen it before in depth and is immediately horrified like he should be. Uh, but, yeah. you know, most people at the time weren't. He was. He was special. And uh, from there, he says, oh, part of my faith now is the complete eradication of slavery. We obviously shouldn't have it anymore. Right. Um, and then from there, he also uh, meets his wife, uh, who is a woman named Sarah, uh, who was also apparently uh, his approximate height. I don't know exactly why, but okay. they were uh, matched and married and uh, together for 17 years until she died. And, and so... Uh, before he comes to America, he has all these adventures and sees like the thing he, that will be his cause for the rest of his life and also marries and, and uh, I don't believe has children, but like builds what is uh, going to be his family. Yeah, right. Right. And then he's with her for uh, 17 years in the skimming of that article. Uh, so he confronts people about slavery at every opportunity. Um, yes. So but the and, and I didn't know that Quakers. Why would I? So I thought that that. Um, Quakers were peaceniks. Yeah. So it's weird that they would own slaves. Yeah, and I think uh, people forget that, um, you know, in the run-up to the Civil War, we think, oh, the North had no slaves and the South had a bunch of slaves. And that's that's true, but also, especially earlier in U.S. history, the North had slaves, too. They just didn't have these massive plantations that you think of and the, these massive uh, cotton operations and things. Uh, right. And so there Where were also... Live? And he lived in, so he came to Pennsylvania, uh, and that uh, was accidentally like a great way to be in like the power structure in Pennsylvania because it was William Penn's Quaker colony, like it was a whole thing. Oh, that's uh, right. And so he was in meetings with all the movers and shakers in Pennsylvania, and either directly or indirectly, they were, uh, you know, profiting from the slave trade and the ownership of slaves. And so he was a huge forerunner in saying that like these people who are. Uh, somewhat of a different ethnicity than us, we've decided, uh, should be like free and stuff. That'd be really good. Uh, right. And you had this weird Quaker thing where they were like, we don't fight a war, but also like the whole uh, bondage thing. Sure, fine, whatever. Right. That's so. That's so weird because that they're they're pacifists, but they've they're clearly enslaving other human beings. And he, like, there were a couple of instances where he where he had to be removed right from these meetings. Yeah. Yeah, so like, especially, and and the Smithsonian article is uh, by Marcus Redeker. It's in 2017 it came out. But like, most of Benjamin Lay's story is like, uh, fun stunts. And I, I love it. Like, he was a real showman. Uh, and it, it was for a good cause. But he would like, uh, he did one thing where he was outside a meeting in the winter. And he like, rolled up his leg, took his, uh, or his pants leg, and took his shoe and sock off and everything. And just stuck his bare leg into the snow. And then people would come up to him and say, like, hey, are, are you OK? Oh, my God, I'm worried about you. And he would say, ah, but you don't worry about your slaves. See, gotcha. Uh, and then they would just be <laughs> right, right, sort of upset. They were also you know? like they, they were wearing rags and they were not warm. And yeah. So he was essentially going, you care about me because I'm in your church, but you don't right. care about these other people, even though they're your employees. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And um yeah, that's yeah. Those are those and, are great stunts. Yeah, and that's like a simple one. He did the the craziest thing he did, and and by craziest I mean there was just a lot to it. Was in seventeen thirty eight he goes to a Quaker meeting and brings props because what he does is Benjamin Lay has a Bible, and then he hollowed out the Bible like he cut out all the pages. 
and he put a bag of red berry juice inside because you can't get like you know uh, good props Die. like now you can't go to whatever that costume shop is in Los Feliz there you know they can't do it you gotta, you gotta do this and, Cinema uh, Secrets over in Toluca Lake anyway, yeah there we go uh, that's it <laughs> <laughs> and so he he has a bible with like prop uh, berry blood in it and also brings a sword which is pretty hard to hide when you're four feet tall but he doesn't and then he uh, go, walks into the meeting and then like throws off his coat and shouts to the congregation, thus shall God shed the blood of those persons who enslaved their fellow creatures. And then he stabs the Bible with his sword and in a way that like sprays the blood all over everybody in the front row. And yeah, uh, and just does this whole and it's like, this is my demonstration against slavery and then just stares at everybody standing there until apparently he was lifted out by other people in the congregation and like carried out of the building. Yeah. Yeah. I think in that Smithsonian <laughs> article, they talked about how uh, they had to have bouncers to remove him. Like they would let him speak and yeah. then and then they would be like, OK, all right. Benjamin Lee <laughs> has spoken. We're all going to be. Think about the horrible things that we do with other people and then try to save up enough money. Because then they would also, didn't he have something? And I know this only because of you and this article is that he was like, not only are you horrible people profiting from this, it's not like I'm not saying don't keep the money you've made. I'm saying don't leave these humans to your children. Like he yeah. left them, they left them as chattel. They left them as, as, as property to their kids who didn't raise themselves up from their bootstraps to own their own slaves, you know? Like, literally, they were <laughs> right. spoiled children who now owned other people that they probably grew up with. And Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but and, he, and he was very strident about all of it. Like, he, when I said we don't have much writing from him, he did write one book, and the title of the book was All Slave Keepers That Keep the Innocent in Bondage, Apostates. Which is a, a mouthy title, but it uh, was something where apparently most members of the Quaker, Quaker church there were supposed to like kind of run publishing something like that by the the authorities and the church and, and like the high ranking people. And he knew they would say no. So he went to his good friend, Benjamin Franklin, and Who then had Franklin press. printed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like the, the skill Franklin does. He's way on it. Uh, and basically apostate- the whole book was just a list of people he's mad at for owning slaves, like, like in his own church. And so then they kicked him out. Oh, yeah. literally he just named names. He's like, yeah, okay. And uh, was there anything more to it? Was there any sort of stories about how bad a slave owners they were? Or was it just, and here's Larry Miller, or that right. seems rude to Larry Miller. I'm so sorry. Uh, here's Tim Allen. <laughs> That's better. I think Larry Miller's actually a good guy. Uh, so here's, yeah, here's, like Tim, yeah. here's Tim Allen. <laughs> he owns nine slaves, and he is a hunk of junk. Uh, here is yeah. uh, Valerie... Bertinelli. Now, see, I don't know why these are the these are the first names. I've, I've lost my mind. Anyway, this room is very hot, Alex Schmidt. No, uh, I, so, can I tell you? I've, I well, I was a history major in college. People will not be surprised to learn. Uh, but yes. I, I found that like prof- like you'll see professors try to do a lot of like so like a story about you know the average person in the time, and they'll just try to like pull names, and it's really hard to do. It's a very yeah. hard skill. Like I, oh my god, <laughs> one of my brothers is a uh, an econ professor, and he is constantly like, you know, I just got to walk 
watch, you know, they're 18 this year, which means that when they were six, they were watching or what, you know. So he was oh. like, this year is entirely about Rugrats. And uh, <laughs> two years from now, it's entirely about whatever cartoon they were watching, you know, Naruto. And right. uh, I was like, wow, that is some serious research. He's like, yeah, you want to teach econ? You got to relate to the to the 18-year-olds who weren't born when 9-11 happened. And, yeah. uh, like like so, now, Alan Greenspan is like the Paw Patrol. Sure. Okay. All right. We'll do that. <laughs> Whatever you <Exactly>. people need. <laughs> Whatever you need for me to explain to you how it has to be broken up and stats are hard. So uh, what does apostate mean again? Is it, uh, do you know the wh- think, anything uh, about that word? Yeah, I think it means like in direct violation of a uh, faith. Like they okay. were part of it and then they've gone completely against it. And, and most of most of the things he wrote that were not just lists of, of people who failed were like uh, ba- basically the gist was like, you are the right hand of Satan if you own slaves and it's the wrong thing to do. And it's things that are inflammatory, except that they're all like correct, you know, like, but like his his fellow church members were like, I am furious you're writing about me like this. And even though we're peaceful Quakers, you're out, like, forget it. Yeah, they kicked him out. Which it's interesting. Uh, I saw on Twitter, probably four days ago, Ice T tweeted. He said, "People keep asking me how I can say the things that I say and not have my job be threatened. It's because I'm speaking the truth, and that's cool. and that's what should have happened with Benjamin Lay. You know, because he was speaking the truth, and he was calling it as it is. But they kicked him out of the church, huh?" And that, yeah, and and he loved that faith so much. It was a, in, incredibly hard for him to go through that. But he was one of these people who just like was so sure of what they believed in, even though nobody else was saying it, that he just like wrote it out and stuck with it. Right. And did they kick him out before or after his wife passed? It was. Um, oh shoot! It was actually they kicked him out after his wife passed. So that was that, makes, that was extra hard that he was kind of yeah. on his own. Yeah, because I think they liked his wife because she was, yes. you know, <laughs> and so they're like, oh, well, the one that we liked is gone. So let's kick him out. And then he moved like 17 miles away or something. And but he was. That's right. Then, yeah. But didn't he, he mo- affect some change? He did like the the an exciting thing about him is. Well, it's a couple things. One is that, like, I, I just like knowing that he had this important love relationship throughout his life, even though he was so wrapped up in activism. And also he was, you know, if, if people are normative about what bodies are supposed to be, he had one that was outside that. But he got to, you know, do that anyway. Uh, and then the other thing is that, like, it seems like it's hard to trace direct results, but it seems like the things he did actually had an impact because Pennsylvania ended up being the first state in the in what became the US to pass a law saying we need to gradually abolish slavery. And they did that in 1780, which is like very early on, like soon as it's 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 like still working on being a country. I think the war was still going and they were like, right. well, let's put in a law where over over a limited and sad amount of years, no more slaves here. Oh, interesting. It's uh, yeah. so about 100 years after he died, though, right? Because uh Oh no, like like twenty, yeah. Oh okay, oh twenty years, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's great, uh, Alex. What we've done here is we've just uh, come back uh, to the show so that we could have closure, and I feel like <laughs> I've gotten some closure uh, about Benjamin Lay. Uh, <laughs> any any final thoughts on him? Um. And, and yeah, any I think last I... minute stories that you want to tell me before I? 
Right. Let it all, <laughs> let it all go. He, uh, he also, as a person, I think got to pass knowing that he did something good because there's that state law, but also, uh, in 1758, he got a visit from Quakers. So this is like 20 years after he got kicked out of the church, but they visited him in, he lived in like a cave. Uh, he also didn't eat animals. He only ate fruits and vegetables and that was it. Okay. Uh, oh, wow. so he was also like thoughtful. He didn't want animals to be harmed. He wanted no harm, you know, in the world in general, but oh, uh, wow. Quakers came to him and said, Hey, we're, we're some like high ranking people in the church. We're working on some things where the faith will be officially for abolition, uh, we thought you'd like to know. And the story goes that Lay said, Thanksgiving and praise be rendered unto the Lord God. I can now die in peace. And then he died the following year, 1759. So like he wow. got to hear from somebody that, hey, you know, whether or not you directly managed to do it, like you you put a bug in everybody's ear that led to something good. And that's it's awesome. A, that is awesome because, I mean, even though you can't, do the right thing for praise and you can't do the right thing hoping that you are vindicated. It's always good to know that you made some difference, you know? And yeah. so some, the, the fact that they took time to <laughs> drive out and tell <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> that was just doing a, yeah. just, we're passing by. I just thought we'd let you know that, uh, yeah, you were right. We're working on it. <laughs> and, uh, and so there's so much, uh, mixed up with pride and um, and wanting to be a good person and also not wanting to be a good person just so you get a pat on the back. And I think in his case, he he proved that he didn't do it for that. He did it because he was horrified, right? I mean... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was... He didn't win friends with this belief. Like, he just thought it was the right thing to do and agitated for it as his whole life as soon as it, it became his cause. And then uh, yeah. it's, it, it's to some extent helped. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's uh this yeah. is a, these are, these are both great stories. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh my God. I, would, yeah. I got to talk about it. I'm, I'm in heaven. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> now, but you did say that you, uh, and uh, people should know that if they ever uh, use the emoji for bison, you should probably know that Alex Schmidt created the emoji for bison. Yeah. 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 That was, I'm thrilled and, about and it. you, and you did a, 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 a sort of a short six episode, how to make an emoji kind of podcast. Is that? Yeah. For, uh, yeah. Thank, thank you so much, Jackie. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's four episodes. It's called one way to make an emoji. And it's just a little podcast mini series uh, put out about a month and a half ago. And it's the, entire story of that any anybody in the public can propose a new emoji and i did for the american bison and european bison it turns out there's those uh but uh it's like live on twitter now and it'll be on android and iphone and everything later this year uh the the emoji and then the the podcast is out now really proud of it oh that's awesome that's so great and i think uh rangers uh let's let's take a stand and just say just just so everybody knows I think you're an abolitionist, Alex. Would you consider yourself an abolitionist at this time? Yeah, I, I met this four-foot guy, and he really surprised me with some stunts. And I, oh. I've learned that's the thing to do. It's, uh, yeah, I, uh, I will actually just, without any irony, say that I am still an abolitionist. <laughs> and, uh, and so I love the, I was inspired by Benjamin and Grover Cleveland, another flawed president, you guys. 
shit happens. Uh, yeah. Uh, it turns out dirtbags can achieve some good things sometimes. Doesn't mean you got to invite them over to the house. So uh, <laughs> that's all. They can just be your work friends. And uh, But thank you so much for doing the show, Alex. And Jackie, Rangers, you. you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?